Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Have you ever found somebody online and you immediately fell in love with them and everything that they do? Well, that's actually how I felt about today's guest, Jennifer Allwood. I came across Jennifer's Instagram account sometime last summer and I immediately joined her coaching program for businesswomen called Creators Inner Circle. Jennifer Allwood is a passionate cheerleader of women who adds biblical truth to the modern day dream big mantra. She's the author of Fear is Not the Boss of You, How to Get Out of Your Head and Live the Life You Were Made For, and host of The Jennifer Allwood Show, which holds a regular spot in the top 25 entrepreneurship podcasts in the world with 1.5 million downloads. That's a lot of downloads. Her no-nonsense approach to doing things you're scared to do and saying yes to God is helping women everywhere build the life and business of their dreams. When she's not coaching her nearly 3,000 clients each month, and I'm one of them, she's living the dream with Mr. Magic, her husband, Jason, and their four wild kiddos. Hey, and be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show. I'm going to share with you something, a business program that I am launching because of my inspiration through being in her program. So make sure you check that out at the end of the show. I know that you guys are going to love Jennifer just as much as I do. So let's jump into that conversation that I had with her. Well, hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing so good, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm praying that my dogs stay really well behaved during this podcast interview. They're both at my feet right now and and we're hoping that they'll stay silent. So I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Well, you would not be the first guest that had dogs barking in the background. So it's all good. Well, this is <laughs> one, of the, one of the things about working from home, right? I mean, it's it's great until the UPS driver pulls up and you've got dogs. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Oh, my I'm goodness. Um, okay. So in the, before I start, one thing I'd like to do with my guests is I... I read your pretty professional bio in the beginning, and then I just like to ask you, what's maybe one thing about you we wouldn't have read in your professional bio? Mm, interesting. Does it have to be something like recently? Well, let me give you a hint. Last week, I interviewed yes. Lisa Whittle. You know Lisa Whittle. I She's do, speaking yeah. at your conference. You want to know uh-huh. what her? You want to know what her random thing was? And I can well, say this because she admitted this on air, and she gave me permission that we're going to air it. She leaves floss lying around the house like used floss. That was her random thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't off direction at all. I was thinking a random thing you wouldn't know about me is I can twirl baton. Not only can I twirl one baton, but I twirl two batons at once. I can also twirl fire. It's weird. I used to do this in high school. I used to teach little girls how to twirl baton. I used to twirl fire at football games. So it's like this really odd, weird skill that singed all the hair off of my arms at one point in my life. And um, every once in a while, I think I'm just going to dig it back out just for fun. But there there would be my random thing, which is not nearly as cool as leaving boss around the house. Yeah. And she was like, did I really just admit that? I just admitted that on air. Okay. I'm like, yes, you did. And that was awesome. I loved it. So uh, <laughs> time I had a woman message me right after I got contact, which I quit wearing because they just hurt my eyeballs. And she told me that whenever she takes her contacts out at night, she just throws them on the floor next to her bed and nobody knows it except for her cleaning lady who vacuums them up every other week. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so funny. Wow. So, <laughs> I love it. Secrets. 
I love it. It just makes you more human, you know, when we share these things about ourselves. Like, I'm a human too, I promise. I feel like your next Instagram live really needs to be a baton twirling thing or something. I, I know. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of scary because when you get rusty, like, you know, the fact that I would be rusty right now means I'm going to drop it and then I'm going to look foolish or I'm going to like burn myself. And so there's all of that. I feel like it's hazardous, Rachel, at this point. Let's <laughs> do my health. But one of these days for real, one of these days I am going to throw a baton on a live for you guys just for fun. I mean, the views would be worth it. I feel like even if it got hazardous, like it then it would just go viral. So I'm for I it. I did hula hoop in a, <laughs> in a Target once. I hula hooped. I did like a hula hoop contest against one of my kids in Target. And my husband was Facebook living that. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, so. that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. My husband got a live of me one time pogo sticking in Academy, which I wiped out in front of everybody. Oh, <laughs> it was actually quite humorous. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're moving I, right along. So fun. <laughs> Moving right along. Your book, which actually kind of goes along with what we're talking about right now, is uh, Fear is Not the Boss of You, How to Get Out of Your Head and Live the Life You Were Made For. I have a copy of that in my hands. It is as good as the title sounds. You know, sometimes books are like, oh, the title's awesome. And then you open it and you're like, oh, the inside doesn't match the outside, you know, but like. Well, I'm so glad that you like the title because it was kind of like a, you know, a back and forth between the powers that be because. There was lots of other titles in the mix. And I'm like, no, this is the one I want. And they were like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, I mean, that's kind of my brand is a lot of truth with a little sass. And um, and I just really fought hard for that. And I'm glad that that, that everybody at the end of the day was like, you know what? That actually does fit. And I'm like, yes, because that's what I really wanted. So yeah. yeah, I'm so glad you like it. Yeah. And I actually recently listened to, you had a podcast on your podcast. I think it was last week that it aired about three things that you did not know about the book process, which being someone who I am in, I think phase two of what you mentioned, I have an agent and we're currently pitching my first book and I can feel the pain of all the things like that you mentioned. I was like, so those of you guys who are listening and you're wanting to write a book, please go listen to that episode. It was really, really good. I really appreciated you, you sharing that. And I loved, you know, when I was listening to that podcast, I, loved how you know you wrote a book on fear and Mm -hmm. your journey was you wrestling that out I mean even your book writing journey you know oh yeah it it was like God was like okay sweet girl we are going to actually like work this out in real time as you write the book yeah (laughs) as you write the book about fear you're also going to you know do the very thing that you're talking about in the book. And so that was tough, which then just made me even more like um, compassionate for my reader. I mean, when I say fear is not the boss of you, yeah, that sounds really strong. And, you know, like I've got it all together, but the truth is fear can be very crippling and it can keep you so stuck and overwhelmed and insecure. And so I just felt like it was almost like a gift from God at the same time for me to really have to go through all those emotions. As I was writing the book about fear, I also had to keep right on walking through it, which I think made the content of the book deeper and richer and more relevant as I was going through it in real time. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, it's also just for your reader and hearing that side of your story, it makes you also really want to listen to what you have to say. Cause there's a big difference in somebody who has actually walked out what they're teaching on, you know? And so yes. I loved that. Actually, my first blog name was called life outside the shell and it was founded on second Timothy one seven, which is for God has not given you a spirit of fear, timidity. Spirit of fear. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this top- one of the first Bible scriptures I made my kids memorize. Yeah. Yes. yes my, same here. So I just love this topic. So I'm kind of curious. Let's just jump into basic questions of how do you feel like we should look fear in the face? 
Yeah. Well, you know, the, the truth is nobody is exempt from the feelings of fear. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to look at people who appear to, you know, be making it. And I use that in air quotes or who have really large social media followings, which I do, or who are, you know, have a super successful business. And it's easy to think, hmm, they probably never feel, you know, scared or intimidated or imposter syndrome. And that couldn't, in my case, that couldn't be further from the truth, Rachel. I, I've struggled with fear all of my life, even if it's, you know, fear of other people's opinions. And so, which has been a major one for me. And so that has kept me stuck so many times, fear of the unknown, fear of, well, what if the thing that I'm going to try to do is worse than the thing that I'm currently in? And so I think fear, you know, it rears its ugly head in all sorts of different ways. And it may look different from woman to woman, but I don't think there's any woman that I've ever met anyway that can look me in the face and say, yeah, I've, I've never dealt with fear at all. I've never felt that. And so the book is really about fear, figuring out, okay, so these are your feelings. You're scared. You're overwhelmed. You're stuck. Where did those feelings come from? Because I think sometimes it's really helpful to get through the feelings and, and, and keep and get on with it. If you know where things came from, like I remember I used to be so terrified of flying. This is really irrelevant to the conversation, but also kind of related. So there's that. I used to be terrified of flying. I was not on my first airplane until I was 25. The reason I was terrified is because it just felt really weird to me that how does this thing that weighs so much stay in the air? (laughs) I mean, I know that that sounds so stupid, but I would just think, I don't understand how it can literally stay in the sky. And I remember that what helped me with uh, my fear of flying was talking to someone that worked for the airline one time and her giving me like statistics of, you know, how many people are actually die in a plane crash versus how many people, you know, die every day, just like walking across the street. And so it's, it's interesting, like when, and so when I realized where my fear was coming from. My fear was coming from the fact that I couldn't understand how the plane, you know, stays in in space. And when she kind of explained to me how it actually does stay up and that really that my feelings of fear were kind of irrelevant, like I should be scared of driving, you know, to the nail salon that I should be of being in a plane. I was like, Oh, that helped it to really like put some perspective in my brain. And so I started out the book by really trying to help people figure out what got them to this place of being stuck and scared anyway. Because I think sometimes if we know where it comes from, it can help us get to the next step. Yeah. I love how two of the examples you just listed there, one is fear of the unknown, right? That's what the flying fear was. Like, I just don't know. I don't understand. And that's a huge thing that keeps so so many of us held back is, I don't know what's going to happen when I do this. I don't know. I've never experienced this thing. And so it's the fear of the unknown. And then the other fear you mentioned was the fear of man, which is a big one. I've had to memorize the verse in Proverbs that fear of man proves to be a snare. Um, That one, like constantly. And so, how do you feel like I I love the fact that you're telling us to really instead of walking around the fear really lean into it so and see kind of what's at the root straight through it you know just like because well you know I think that it sounds real sexy for people to put on Pinterest you know punch fear in the face and those sorts of things and yeah that sounds great except for when you are terrified and overwhelmed and trying to do deep breathing to keep your anxiety level down you know what I mean and so what I really want people to get out of the book what I'm really helping I hope that I help women do is that, okay, here's your fear. Where did it come from? Okay. Now you know where it came from. Here's why you can't stay stuck there though. And I really talk from a biblical perspective in the book of why a woman needs to continue going in spite of her fear. And, and I think that there's like this math equation that I take women through in, and if you don't like math, it's okay. But basically 
every person on the planet has things that are of so deep value to them and so important to them and that they would do anything, you know, for that. So for me, it's, it's God, it's setting a good example for my husband and my children. And because I'm an Enneagram three and we're kind of wired this way, it's really making a difference in the world and in my community. And so those things are all way more important to me than fear. And so I walk women in the book through an exercise of figuring out what's more important to them than their feelings, because the truth is fear is just a feeling and our feelings are liars a lot of the time. Like if I listen to my feelings, Rachel, when you and I get done with this podcast, I'll walk myself into the kitchen. I'll grab a tub of raw chocolate chip cookie dough out of the refrigerator and I'll eat a bunch of it with a spoon because that's what I feel like doing. My feelings aren't always going to guide me to the place that God wants to guide me to. And so I really try to take women on a journey of figuring out where it came from and then why you can't stay there. Because then when I think you get this aha of, okay, I really can't stay there. And then what's the next step? Okay. So I've told you why you're scared, why you're stuck, why you can't stay there. Now, what are we going to do? What's it going to look like? And the last section of the book is really about helping women understand and kind of brace themselves for a lot of the spiritual resistance that will happen when they begin to take steps in the direction of like the calling that God has for their life or the thing that they feel like they're supposed to do. As you know, I coach business women. That's what I do for a living. And I coach, you know, like at this point, well over 2000 women every month on how to build a business. And this book is not just for business owners, but if you're a woman who's in business, a lot of times, you know, the fear is starting the thing. And so I kind of tell you like, okay, when you start the thing, here's what you can probably expect is going to happen. But it also applies to women who are, you know, wanting to go back to school or apply for a new job or build their family um, through adoption. Like there's a million different situations when you start doing what God's asking you to do, what you have in your heart to do, and you're scared, but you do it anyway. A lot of times resistance immediately happens and women will mistake that for, oh gosh, then I did the wrong thing. And no, that's really, really natural spiritual resistance that you're going to get. And so the last whole section of the book is walking them through what that's going to look like and how to not be surprised when it happens. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And you mentioned your group that you have. I, I'm part of that group, the, your creator's inner circle, which I love, yeah, by the way, those yeah. of you listening here, you're interested, that'll be in, in today's show notes. But one thing I'm kind of curious about, so you have had, you've coached thousands of women now, right? And yes. you, you probably lost yeah. count of them all. So what I love to look at, and, and I'd love to know, since you've now coached thousands of women, do you see a common theme of where women tend to get stuck? Ooh. Okay. So most of them, okay. So we talk about this in Fears Not the Boss you. A lot of women get stuck in the very beginning. And I think that a lot of women get stuck in the very beginning because that's where the enemy will often come in and put a lot of resistance because he knows that the beginning is like, if he can stop things at the beginning, this is why there's such an assault on our children for their minds and their souls and their lives. Because if he can stop things at the beginning, then his job is so much easier than when it's, you know, they're halfway into something. So, so I find that a lot of women stuck, get stuck right at the beginning and they get stuck on things that really don't matter. And they get stuck on things that are just a lot of, it's, it'll be things like in business, it's things like, I don't know what to name it, or I don't know how to start my business page. And those are a lot of times, they may have some fear around those things, yes, but the fear is actually just the vulnerability of starting the thing and the vulnerability of actually telling people that they've started a business and the fear of actually like taking that first step. And so it's easier to say, 
I, I don't know what to name the thing. I don't know what to name the business than it is to just actually start it and have to feel so exposed um, in case it doesn't work out. Does that make sense? And yeah. so, um, you know, a lot of the excuses, and I say that with all the love in my heart, that I get from women who are starting businesses, a lot of the reasons that they'll give me as to why they're not doing the thing, starting the thing, it, they really, it always comes back to they're so scared that if they do what they really want to do of how are people going to receive them? What if it fails or what if it succeeds? And then they have to maintain that. What are people going to think of them? And then that imposter syndrome starts kicking in and who do you think you are starting a business? And you know, nobody in your else in your family started a business. And a lot of times we can get pushback from really well-meaning friends and family. And I talk about that in the book too, even, you know, people who love you and they, perhaps love Jesus, but they will say things um, intentionally or non to really kind of derail you and almost like it almost make that fear intensify in the beginning. And so a lot of times I feel like with business women, it's right at the beginning that they get stuck. Yeah. And I see that theme. I do a lot of speaking at conferences. I just spoke last night to a group of women <laughs> on finding their voice. And I was talking with the lady afterwards and she was talking about, she wanted to start a Bible study. It wasn't even a business, uh-huh. you know, but it was that yeah. same, she was held up in those beginning phases. And so when you just said that, that phrase in the beginning, it made me think of how God in the beginning, like in the even beginning. God. God started in the beginning, like this is where it all began and everything flowed from that. So that's just really powerful, especially the part about our kids and like their little sponges, you know, just like soaking up and we're kind of training them in the way we should go. And being somebody who's studying to be a therapist, I see how often that the clients that I deal with, they from some of the things they're currently believing right now really started when they were a kid, you know? Of course so. <laughs> they did, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and I I have a whole chapter in the book where it's called If Not Mom, Then Who, mm. where I talk about how we depend on so many other people to teach our children things. So, you know, I've got four kiddos. We have three biological children. We're in the process of adopting our fourth child. But, you know, I'm, you know, they're teaching her how to write her name at school today. I've got my seniors in Spanish class today. We have people that teach our kids how to drive and we have them teach them how to play sports. But who's teaching our kids how to be brave Mm -hmm. when they're scared? Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I feel like, I mean, this definitely comes back to the parents. It has to, but I really feel like it comes back to moms. And I don't know, Rachel, if that's just a gut feeling or if it's just because I'm a mom, but I feel like our kids are little, they're almost little conviction devices at times. I mean, my kids can call me out and sniff out when mom's not behaving like I should be, or, you know, when I say one thing and do another, they can do that so well. And so I talk in the book about, how if like over dinner, you know, we're encouraging our children to go out for the baseball team again, even though you didn't make it last year, like you can do it, sweetie, or, you know, try out for student council or be kind to that new kiddo at, at school. And you're going to make a new friend. Like you can do it. If we're doing all of that. And yet our kids know that mom has a dream in her heart or mom has a call in her life that she senses that God's, you know, wanting her to do, or mom has some deep desires, but mom's not doing them, then we are totally hypocrites and we're living that out in front of them. And so I feel like our kids have got to see mom model what courage looks like, even when you're scared, not courage, just when you're feeling, you know, like brave and you know, like you're all that in a bag of chips, but how do you show them what it looks like to do things that, you know, God's asking you to do, even when your voice is shaking, even when your knees are shaking, even when, you know, you've got sweat rolling down your back. Cause that's what kids need to see because that's going to be the, the truth for them later on in life too, Rachel. They are going to be put in situations where they are going to be scared. They are going to be nervous. They're going to have things they feel like they're supposed to be doing that God's prompting them to do. And they're going to be 
be nervous about it. And I hope that they will remember the times when mom felt the exact same way, but yeah. I did it afraid. Yeah. But I did it. I really resonate with that because I, uh, the year I was born, my parents opened two ministries. One was a girls' home for Teen Challenge, Trouble Teenage Girls, and another mm-hmm. was an outdoor amphitheater. And when I look back and I look at them doing those things, it was just the norm to me that those were weird things. Like I had no friends whose parents were starting these nonprofit ministries, you know, that were like totally just out nothing you'd ever seen before. And I do look at myself now and I do see how a lot of my being able to say yes to things has come from. Yes. They just, that that's just what you do. I don't know if God puts something on your you heart, just you do just it. do it. You don't really question it. You just <laughs> yeah. do it. So that really yeah. resonates with me. Okay. So something else I want to talk to you about, oh, I have so many things to talk to you about. So we're going to have yes. to pick and choose. And for okay. the, those of you who are listening, you need to just go follow Jennifer on social media, her podcast, her book, because she's, this conversation we're having is uh, why I know some, so many people are drawn to you because the Lord just flows out of you and you're just full of wisdom. And I'm not saying that to flatter you. I'm just saying it like I want people to go find you because I'm. we're not going to do do your message justice here today in 30 minutes. So, OK, so you actually have completed some triathlons. I want to hear about that. I my husband yeah. and I are into doing I, I finally did a marathon. Triathlon still terrifies me because I feel like I can't swim. So I need I need to hear about this. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the story is in the book that when I was 39, a friend of mine asked me to go watch a friend of hers do a triathlon. And I was like, all right. I mean, it was a really nice day outside. We had three kids that were really young. And, you know, sometimes when you have a friend invite you to go do something on a Saturday, you're like, okay, husband, can you, <laughs> I want to go do this. If you can take the kids, it was just a nice break away. And so I didn't really care much about the triathlon is the truth, but God often uses an average Saturday morning where you think you're just going to hang out with a girlfriend to completely change your life. And so I went and watched a triathlon here in Kansas city where I live. And there were 800 women who were competing and they were everything from like young teenage girls to a woman who was probably in her middle seventies. And we stood there on the sidelines. We watched them and it was a triathlon in a lake and I didn't know how to swim. I had never learned how to swim. I like snorted water in the shower as a grown woman. Like literally I, I just couldn't seem to be in water and not snort it. I didn't know how to swim. It was the most embarrassing thing. So I'm watching these women, like all jump into the lake and they're swimming their 500 meters. And I, I've got my eye on the last lady to jump in and she's, I would say 70, 72 years old. She wasn't worried about her thighs. She wasn't worried about waterproof mascara. She had a snorkel and she swam the whole thing, Rachel, with a snorkel. And I remember just like, it makes me like all emotional to talk about it. I am totally going to start crying on your podcast. I'm so sorry. Don't apologize. I just remember watching her thinking, what is inside of her that's making her at 70 something jump into a lake and snorkel with like all these young people? And I just remember thinking, gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed that at 39, that I've never even considered doing that. I'm half of her age. You know, why is she out there? And I'm just sitting here, you know, eating Oreos on the sidelines. And I remember thinking, well, gosh, what if I, cause it was my birthday weekend. I forgot to mention that it was my 39th birthday weekend. And I thought this triathlon, I'm pretty sure happens every year about this time. What if I did a triathlon for my 40th birthday? And then I remembered, oh crap, I can't swim. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> what do I do with that? I can't swim. But then I also felt like, but gosh, I came from a long line of non-swimmers. My parents couldn't swim and I don't want to give that on to my kids. I want my kids to learn how to swim. So probably at 39, mom should learn how to swim. So I hired a swim instructor. I took swim lessons for a year. I rallied a group of girlfriends and they all did the triathlon with me for my 40th birthday. The Today Show, like, you know, the 
the Matt Lauer Today Show picked that up. They did a segment on us. They sent a film crew out to watch us practicing. And it was like a segment on how 40-year-old women are now celebrating birthdays. You know, it used to be trips to Vegas, and now they're wearing spandex on national television and competing in triathlons. And so it was really kind of a cool time. And I had a panic attack in the middle of that first triathlon in the water. I absolutely panicked. I had to rest on a kayak. And I just kept thinking, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. And I finished that triathlon. And it, it changed me. Not because I suddenly felt like an athlete, but because I realized I can do hard things and not die. Mm. And I, and I panicked in the middle and it was crap and I was horrible and I went at the speed of a turtle, but I did not die. And I, and I just proved to myself that I can do something hard. So the next year rolled around and I signed up for it again. (laughs) And the next year I signed up for a couple more. And so at this point I've done 10 triathlons um, since my 40th birthday and on every single one of them, Rachel, I've had a panic attack. Wow. And so I talk in the book about how that was the thing that God used just to show me, Jennifer, you're capable of so much more than you think that you are. And you're capable of being scared and doing it anyway. Because see, sometimes women will wait until the feelings of scared and fear leave before they start the thing or do the thing. And the truth is, is, I mean, God does have a plan for us. I love that verse in Jeremiah that I do have a plan for you, you know, uh, to give you a hope in a future, but a plan means there's a timeline and chop chop says like, we've got stuff to do on this side of heaven. And me being scared about a thing or panicking has very little relevance. I mean, God has things that he needs for me to do because he's got things he needs to accomplish here on earth. And I'm part of that puzzle. And every woman listening right now is part of that puzzle. And so God really used that triathlon just to show me, Sis, I'm going to put things in front of you that you're scared of coming up. Wow. It's going to be huge speaking engagements. It's going to be standing on stages. I stood on a stage in front of Chip and Joanna Gaines and 2,000 people in the audience, the fixer-upper people. And so in the last, you know, eight years, God has continued to put me in situations where I'm like, what am I even doing here, Lord? I, you know, I don't belong in this room. I can't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not equipped for this. I'm not smart enough for this. You know, everything from being on television to being on stages to hosting my own conference to writing a book, but God just keeps putting me in situations and reminding me that you you can do hard things and it will not kill you. And um, so that's what the triathlon did. It kind of set a precedence for the rest of my life after that. So, yeah, I feel like you're going to see that quote floating around. I can do hard things and not die. I mean, that's so powerful because now you're sitting here even 10 triathlons later, 10 panic attacks later, right? 10 and panic attacks month, later. And you didn't die. Like you're living yeah. proof. And I keep, I keep going back like a glut for punishment. But the reason I keep going back is because I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves, we need to give evidence to ourselves that we're capable of hard things and making through it. We've, we've made it through every hard day we've ever had so far. And the sense of accomplishment and the deep sense of, oh my gosh, I just did that. Like that carries over into so many other parts of your life. And, you know, Rachel, I'm not like some badass athlete. I am not like with ripped abs. I mean, I am a fluffy mom of four, (laughs) you know, C50, very close in the future. So it's not like I'm even good at this, but what it has done is it's really changed me on the inside and it's changed my perspective at how I look at big, hard and scary things. And I hope that my kids are watching mom do it and not so that they can be triathletes, but so that when things come up in their life that scare them, that they will remember the example that I have set for, okay, so you're scared. Well, I'm sorry and big hugs, but we're going to do it anyway. And so what I'm hoping to model for them. Yeah. That's such a good legacy to leave. I'm curious, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that yesterday I spoke at a conference and every single time 
before I go speak, I'm like, I go through that whole thing that you just mentioned. This is stupid. Why'd they ask me? Who am I? To, I have nothing to say. Like, and I'm like, I need to know, does this ever get easier? Like the more you do it, does it get easier? Or is it always just like, it doesn't for me. Okay. It doesn't for me. But I talk in fear is not the boss of you about how it doesn't get easier for me. But the first triathlon I did, I wasn't sure that I wouldn't die. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm like, I very well could die. Yeah. I very, and the second triathlon, I was like, okay, I didn't die the last time, but I could still die this time. But by like the third time I was like, okay, I recognize these feelings, but I've got past evidence that says, Jen, even though your feelings are keeping you really wound up right now, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And so I think that I have the same fear of public speaking. And I've talked about this very openly. Public speaking causes me so much anxiety. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And yet God asked me to host a women's conference Mm -hmm. (laughs) two years ago. And I'm like, what? No, no, no. And more no, God, because I am not a public speaker. It makes me want to die. I'd rather go back and have another panic attack, you know, in that triathlon than I would on stand on a stage. But God was pretty insistent. And so therefore, we're getting ready for our first or our second women's conference, our second annual. And I do it because God says to, and because even though I'm scared and I may or may not ever get any better at it, Rachel, I don't know, but I still feel like, but this is what God's wanting me to do. And I feel like the reason women a lot of times will relate to me and do relate to me is because I'm not standing up there all polished and perfect. I'm standing up there going, you know what? I'm scared too. And we're in this together and you're not alone in your feelings of being scared. You're not alone. And those feelings may or may not ever leave, but we still have work to do here on in this lifetime on the side of heaven. And so, you know, let's link arms and do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I was getting slightly mad yesterday, I'm not going to lie. I just had this (laughs) moment of mad. I was like, when is this going to go away? This is stupid. Like, why, you know, like I, I I should be better than this. I should be, yeah, I shouldn't be. Every triathlon girl, that's me. Yeah. I don't still feel this way. And so I don't think that that's a sign we're doing anything wrong. I think that is a sign we're still human. Yeah. And then, and so I think sometimes too, that God will use those feelings to keep me humble. Yeah. And to keep and me, to really keep me on my face before yeah. him, like, well, I can't do this with like, if you don't show up right now, I could like literally go under and die again. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and should... the same thing happens when I'm on stage. Lord, yeah. if you don't show up, I'm going to sound like an idiot. I don't know what I'm going to say. They're going to think I'm horrible. I want to represent you well, God. So would you make a way right now where there seems to be no way? Yeah, it's so good. Okay. And I got all kinds of excited. I think it was chapter four of your book, but it's the chapter on confidence. And you mm-hmm. put a verse in there. I'm not even kidding. Not a verse. I quote by John Wayne. Definitely not a verse, but a quote yeah. <laughs> by John Wayne. But it's been on my bathroom mirror for almost a decade now that courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. And I yeah. would love for you just to kind of talk about that because that chapter on confidence, I really thought was awesome. I, I felt like you took an angle we don't see spoken on very often today. Yeah, well, I'm prepared to get all the hate mail about that no, particular you're not getting hate from um, me. <laughs> chapter, but but I stand behind it 100%. Yeah. So right now, we live in a time where there's so much talk about confidence and how to get confidence and you can take courses on confidence and you can, you know, buy books on confidence and uh, people are, they're selling confidence because confidence sells because every woman I know wants to feel more confident, right? I mean, who doesn't want confidence? And so, you know, the marketers of the world, they're brilliant at selling it to you. The truth is like, I don't, think God cares about our confidence level. I don't think he's waiting for Rachel to feel really good about speaking before he asks Rachel to speak. I don't think he's waiting for me to feel 
feel confident about writing a book before I write it. Because see, the confidence comes after. So I think what the goal should be is how do you get courage? How do you get that 20 seconds of insane courage to just start something, to just walk out onto the stage like you did yesterday, to just actually start typing out the first, you know, couple of lines of a book. Like the courage thing is what we need to be hoping for and praying for. And the confidence may or may not come after. Like, I am, I'm confident now that I won't die in a triathlon, Rachel, but I'm still not confident about my swimming. I'm still horrible. I can only breathe the one side. I gulp water half the time. I spit and sputter and have to, you know, rest on the sidelines at times. So I'm not a confident swimmer, but I'm courageous enough to get my butt in the water. And that, that means something. And so, you know, I think for so many women, they're waiting until they feel a certain way, till they feel confident before they do something that God's laid on their heart or that they want to do. And the truth is that you could be waiting forever. I mean, who has confidence before they do something? It's not like when my kids were, you know, a year old that I expected them to be confident about walking. I mean, no, there's a process. You know, you get confident about walking after you walk for a moment. And so I really think that the world is doing women a disservice by trying to sell them confidence. And the truth is we should be going after courage. We need to be women of courage. We need to be modeling courage. We need to be demonstrating courage, living courageously, and the confidence may or may not show up. Yeah. So you could say courage is the new confidence. <laughs> courage is the new confidence. And yeah. And so I, there's a couple quotes in that chapter that were really good from other people, not me, but like oh. confidence is courage with clothes on. I remember oh, that. Yeah. That was like a quote. And so, yeah, there's some good ones in there. And so I just, I'm, I am really passionate about that topic. I, I originally had named that chapter confidence is a crock of crap. And <laughs> my publisher was like, okay, let's soften your delivery, Jen. And I'm like, I know, but um, so we've changed it to confidence is not the goal, which is much more palpable. It sounds much sweeter. And um, apparently crack of crap wasn't, wasn't, wasn't really great. I love so. it. I love it. <laughs> God's still working out. <laughs> yeah. He's still working with me on my angles, Rachel. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I wrote down one of your quotes. I think this is your quote, actually, because um, it was highlighted. It says, Courage says, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll try it anyway. I loved that. That was really powerful. So that is a word for someone today. You may not know what you're doing, but you're going to try it. Absolutely. You'll figure it out in the doing. I mean, that's the beauty of it is you figure it out while you're going through it. And so, so many women are waiting until they have it figured out first. No, you actually learn while you're in the process of. So the, the biggest thing is just taking the first step. So many of us look five years down the road or we look, you know, months down the road or weeks down the road even. And, and God, his mercies are new for today. It doesn't say he's given you mercy for the next five years. It's today. You've got it all you need today. So what can you do today? What step can you take today? What email can you write today? Phone call can you make today? Step can you take today? That'll just get you one step closer to where you're hoping to eventually be. So yeah, you just need courage yeah. for that. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, I would kind of love to hear if you had not personally gone through this journey of deciding that fear is not the boss of me, how would your life look different? Wow. Well, I wouldn't have the book. That's for sure. And we're getting ready to do a 12 city book tour. So, you know, that wouldn't be happening. I probably would parent a lot differently. My husband and I, I think I mentioned earlier, we are in the process of adopting a little girl. And um, we got the phone call about her last year when I was um, 48. And we had, you know, getting ready to have a senior in high school. We were asked to take in a little munchkin who was then four years old. And I think about, I don't know that we would have said yes to those sorts of things, Rachel. And, you know, when my business really started exploding in the online space five or six years ago, 
And I started coaching all these women. And the reason I started coaching is because they were asking me to, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like they kept saying, how do you have so many followers? And I'm like, well, and you know, I would tell them what I was doing, but I remember the first woman that said, would you coach me? And I was thinking, no, I won't coach you. I'm not a coach. I don't even, I, it's random that I, you know, have a hundred thousand followers or 200,000, whatever I had at the time. Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to coach people like that's not who I am. I'm not a coach. And then they kept asking and I, and I just kept remember thinking this is terrifying, but because they keep asking, I guess I'm going to say yes. And so when I think about like, if I hadn't done all of that, we wouldn't live in this house. My husband wouldn't have been able to come home from corporate America. We wouldn't be able to vacation like we do with a new little kiddo. And, and it makes me feel really sad. (laughs) And so, you know, even though I hate struggling with fear and I hate that sometimes I keep getting put in situations where I feel scared. I'm also super grateful that God's that he keeps putting me in those situations that where I keep having to grow <laughs> because it really is that growth that is, you know, allowing us the lifestyle that we've got right now and I hope it's modeling for my children things that are going to matter for eternity. And so, yeah. Is that a good answer? Now yeah. I'm even not even sure what the original question was, girl, but um, I kind of got lost in my own thoughts there for a second. I'm like, that's a good question. That's a really good question. You know why I asked you that question? It just came to me. God, I think, dropped onto my heart here. Um, wasn't in my notes is because I wanted to paint a picture for the listeners today. I mean, I'm one person who you would be affected if you hadn't said yes. You know, I'm one of thousands mm-hmm. of people who, if you had not said, yeah, I'm going to do this afraid. Like, I'm going to just say yes when I don't have it figured it out when I figured out when I am scared to death, but I'm saddling up anyway, because I need people to see this visual and hear this, I guess not today visual, they can't see us, uh, auditory example of the fact of it's not just about us when we say yes. It's not. You know, we almost named that book, the book that really one of the, one of the names was, it's not about you. Mm. And and we kind of decided that that was a little offensive Yeah, (laughs) because most people want it to be all about them, but because there is, you're exactly right. There's such a ripple effect. So, you know, clearly there's been some people before me that modeled well for me saying yes, even though they were afraid and then I'm doing what I'm doing. And then you're doing what you're doing and people are getting free because of what you're doing too. So there's such a a ripple effect on a woman who is like, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to just put my hand up because when we give our life to Christ, it's we're, you know, we're basically saying, okay, Lord, it's yours. Do what, do what you want with it. But then there's a lot of times there's this piece of us that's like, except for a couple of those things, couple, couple of the things that I'm still scared of. You can't have your way with that. And so often that's the area where God wants to work. And when you gain some freedom in that space, it really helps you to help other women get freedom then coming right after you. There's such a ripple effect there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I also, one thing that I will say a lot when I teach is that your why has to be greater than your what ifs. And I think for Mm -hmm. women, especially as if you're a mom Mm -hmm. or even just, I don't even think you have to have biological children. A lot of women just have that natural mothering instinct in us that we might not say yes for me, but I will say yes for my kids, or I will say yes for the, the neighbor down the street or the generations to come. And so that's the other reason I wanted to paint that bigger picture for people to know that when you say yes and overcome your own things, you're actually yes. saying yes for other people also. Yeah, you know? <laughs> 100% of the time. I love that so much. You positioned that so well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this has been amazing. Um, thank you for taking time. I know you were crazy, busy woman and not crazy, but busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> but no, crazy too. You can go ahead and say that. But no, thank you so much for having me. This was this was awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah. And where would be the best way for people just to connect with you online and all the places? 
Sure. So they can look me up anywhere at Jennifer Allwood. So I have my own podcast, as you know, the Jennifer Allwood show, which I love or find me on Instagram or Facebook. If they're wanting to send me a DM, Instagram is definitely the best place to do that. I check those several times a day. So. Okay, great. And those links will be in today's show notes, but I just like for people to hear it out loud as well. But thank you again, Jennifer, for coming on. I am really excited just to release this episode and for people to get their hands on your book. Yes. And you know what? Thank you for bringing that up. So the book is, does not actually come out until April 7th. So we are just doing all the pre-orders right now, which is super fun and amazing and also very scary. Just throwing that out there because it's the pre-orders that determine like if Walmart's going to carry the book, if Target's going to carry the book. And so um, you can go to jenniferallwood.com slash book and order a copy, or you can find it on Amazon and do the pre-orders. We actually hit number one bestseller on Amazon within like less than six hours, which wow. was amazing, Rachel. And so But yeah, we're still in the pre-order phase and the book will be shipped on April 7th. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Don't you just love her? Her message and new book, Fear Is Not the Boss of You, is perfect for what we're walking through in this season. So be sure to grab a copy or two. Hey, speaking of being a business owner, did you guys know that how I make money in this online space is through affiliate marketing? I know that many of you would love to learn how to make an income online now more than ever. So I'm launching a group coaching program to teach you how to do that in a way that's both authentic and effective. If you'd like to be on the list to be notified when that launches, you can head to rachelgilbert.com and join my email list, or just send me a direct message on Instagram with your email address and I'll get you added. Don't forget to stay in the loop on the show and be entered to win those free goodies just by texting the phrase Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one word, to the number 44222 on your cell phone. I randomly will choose email winners through there and just like send an email and be like, hey, guess what? You won this week's book because I don't have time to be like making big announcements on, on social media all the time when I've got giveaways. So I just randomly choose people who are on my email list and I send them books and it's super fun to send those emails out. Okay, so be on that list just because I would love to bless you with the book. That'd be fun. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.